Putting the scat in eschatology. It's the Drew Marshall Show. A million footsteps is left for drags behind my right. But I keep walking from daybreak till falling night. Days turn into weeks and years, and years turn into lifetimes. Just keep walking, like I've been walking for a thousand years. Walk away in emptiness, walk away in sorrow. Walk away from yesterday, walk away tomorrow. Walking to escape, or escape from your affliction. You'll be walking in a great circle. In a circle of addiction Did you ever wonder What you've been carrying since the world was black See yourself in a looking glass With a tombstone on your back Walk away in emptiness Walk away in sorrow Walk away from yesterday Alright, we are uh, back. You're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. It's a little chaotic here in the studio today because... Uh, We've got interns who have uh, apparently a lot of medical issues. <laughs> <laughs> we have Tim. That's all you have to say, really. Yep. Uh, but it's fun. It's our second show back after our five-month hiatus, a sabbatical, if you will, as I walked the Camino and ended up walking about a thousand kilometers and did three months in a vow of silence. But my my pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago, I only carried one piece of reading material the entire way, and it was John Brierley's A Pilgrim's Guide to Camino de Santiago. And John is a former chartered surveyor, and his Camino guides are world-renowned as the guides to take with you. Uh, of course, the Camino is without question his passion. Here's a quote from John. My calling to write the guidebooks came while walking in the silence of my own heart along the Camino, And that is when I heard the still small voice within. I was left in no doubt that my life was to take a different direction. I'm always happy to talk about all things Camino-related. The Camino translates simply as the way, and when capitalized, refers to the way of life, which, after all is said and done, is a spiritual journey and does not end in Santiago. Here's the website, CaminoGuides.com, CaminoGuides.com. And uh, I I hope he's on the line. John, are you there, and can you hear us? I am indeed here, Drew. Yes, I'm here. Beautiful, lovely, and clear. What part of uh, of uh, China do you live in? Yeah, it's a lovely accent you have. I, what part of China <laughs> are you from? Well, uh, yes, uh, the Wicklow part of Dublin. That's where I'm from originally. <laughs> yeah. So wait a second. Are you? You're not Irish, though, are you? Yes. Oh, yes. I. I it, Ireland is where I had my life until I. I had my midlife uh, uh, shift and change, and then I went to to Scotland. So I spent all my life in uh, up until till uh, uh, that midlife period um, in Ireland, in right. Dublin. Right, and and so you're in Scotland right now, though, are you? No, actually, I'm now down in the UK. Okay, you're, uh, you're confusing us, John. We want to know where you are all the time. <laughs> well, you know, when you're on the journey, when you're on a Camino, it's sort of, uh, it, it never halts. It's just, yeah. it's whatever it is. And right now, uh, I'm in a lovely little harbour called Dartmouth uh, in the south of England. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, listen, when I decided I was going to walk the Camino, I ran into a, a fellow chaplain at the hospital, 
uh, a gentleman named David who, uh, who said, look, I want to give you something. And he handed me this guidebook. And I said, oh, that's, that's quite nice. And, and uh, you know, I just thought it was a nice gesture. And then I started flipping through the thing, and I realized, oh, my goodness, this is the thing to have. And it, so I got up every morning, put on my backpack, grabbed my walking sticks. I made sure I had my little pocketbook of money, uh, my, my camera, and this book. Every day I made sure I had this book, and this was strapped to my right butt cheek for three months. <laughs> and I want to thank you, first of all, by uh, j- just simply thank you for putting the effort and the work into this into this guidebook. Just tremendous help, huge help. And and I guess the first question I have for you is, you know, do you have to release a new one every year with updated information, John? Well, Drew, when I started this, I mean, I got a very, it was a a very dramatic uh, moment and uh, it became clear that I was to write a guidebook uh, to to the Caminos and I understood at the time that I was, or my plan, my plan was to write 12 guidebooks for the 12 main, there's 12 main routes uh, to Santiago, although most of us think of the Camino de Santiago as being the Camino Francaise, the one coming over the French Pyrenees. But... um, uh, I, started, I realized quite early on that if they were to be relevant uh, to pilgrims, uh, then of course they needed to be up to date. So, uh, so my plan to write twelve guidebooks suddenly became I managed three, and now I I'm basically out in all three every year because unless they're kept up to date, you know, people will you know lose confidence uh, in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no way they can lose confidence in these things. I don't even know how to explain this. So I've got this in my hand right here, uh, and it's beat to a pulp. I mean, I this thing traveled all over the place. It got soaked in rain, and it survived, and it. Uh, I think I threw it at somebody one time. Because remember, I was in a vow of silence, and I needed to get someone's attention. The only thing I had in my hand was your book. Uh, so I apologize for throwing it at somebody, but it shows the altitude. It gives you an idea of your day ahead. You break the. Now I'm just talking about this this one here. This is the Camino uh, de, de Francaise, right? This is from Saint Jean Roncesvalles to Santiago. I don't even know. I, I'm trying to not pronounce it the way all the fancy Spanish people pronounce it. Um, but um, and it gives you. It's break, broken up into how many days? This main one. Well, I mean, you know, it's I've broken it up into 33 stages because that's sort of a, you know, that's sort of, it fits naturally into that sort of a, um, that's an average of around 25 kilometers um, a day, which is sort of what the average person will walk. And it's the sort of what fits easily on a page. Um, although, of course, people will naturally fall into their own rhythm and have their own, uh, you know, develop their own sense of how far that they want to or can or feel of, uh, that they, they wish to walk each day. Right, right. Well, the, long, the longest day I walked was about uh, oh, 45 kilometers. Dude, it was a horrible day. I'm telling you, I didn't I didn't walk that far because uh, I was trying to be macho or trying to, you know, I had a time limit or something. I I, I only walked that far because every town I went to, it was near the, it was in November, so it was, you know, getting into the winter season. The hostel was closed. There was only one hostel in that little village, or there were two, and they were closed. Oh, i got to go to the next town. Oh, it was closed. i uh, got to go to the next town. Closed. 45 wow. kilometers. What's the longest you've walked in one day, John? Well, I, I, I have walked um, a little over 50 kilometers, but again, uh, that was on a, not this particular route, but a, a route known as the Camino Mozarabe, 
uh, and um, coming up from Sevilla in the south of Spain. And there, there's very long stretches because there is no, um, there aren't any, there's nowhere to stay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a very long day. That's, that's you know, most people, as I say, will probably come in at around about 25K a day. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I'm as we're talking, I realize that everybody and their mother has interviewed you about your books. And if they want to know about your books, they can go to the website and look at your books. But I don't want to know about your book because I know your book. I want to know about you. I want to know what happened in January 1986. Right. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, essentially, um, I I had a sort of a classic uh, midlife crisis breakdown, the classic existential crisis. I'm 39 years old. Uh, I've got 2.2 children. Wonderful wife. Um, you know everything is absolutely by the book, and this is the um, this is the, the the perfect life. And nothing made sense to me. I mean, literally nothing. Um, I couldn't make sense of of, of, of any of it. So um, uh, I managed to convince my partners uh, that I, I needed a, a year out from work, uh, a sabbatical, um, to try and find who 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 I was underneath the facade that I, I built up over many decades. Um, and that was a sort of to be the turning point in my life because uh, at the end of that year, it was such an expansive time um, uh, that I, I, I never got back to Ireland. So did you, I mean, did you buy a Ferrari? Did you have an affair? Did you, I mean, those, these are very personal questions. Well, some of them are, but not the Ferrari, obviously. But, but I mean, you know, let's, let's talk about this, this existential crisis, this midlife crisis, this, I mean, can you just pull it apart a little more for us? Yeah, okay. So here's a man, uh, you know, heavily in inverted commas, a successful businessman in Dublin. I have my own business and I merged that up with another company in Dublin as I say, everything seemed to be going right, all right. And then um, uh, during my 39th year, um, I get this recurring daydream. Uh, I don't know how long we've got, but it's, I, I, I'll try and condense it down. Uh, in the daydream, which I get maybe 50 times in that year, um, you know, once a week, this dream comes to me sometimes two or three times a week. The, the dream never changes uh, in in any sense at all. Uh, I'm in the dream. I am 69 years old. Uh, I'm being wheeled up in a in a in a, a wheelchair towards a desk behind which is a, a junior partner in the firm I've created, making an utterly insincere speech about the enormous contribution I've made. <laughs> he hands me um, a plastic clock with a plastic gold rim around it, um, and hands puts it in my lap because I I I've had triple bypasses. My body is a complete ruin. Um, and the, as it's put in my lap, the tears begin to drop as I realize that the value of my life is measured in this plastic clock. Um, and, uh, you know, it was so, it, it, no, I couldn't even, it was so clear and yet I couldn't, I couldn't see what it was telling me. <laughs> it was an alarm clock um, with a gold rim and uh, a, but what it did do, it, it it allowed me to come to my family and say, look, I need, you know, let's take a year out. So I went with my wife and my two children at that stage, and we went to basically travel the world to sort of try and, you know, find out who, who this man was. 
Um, and we started off in a place called Findon. The Findon Foundation is a spiritual community in the uh, in Scotland, and it's um, it sort of loves to take in people who are having midlife crises. It's all about a place, you know, tra- change and transformation. So it says, oh, here's a wonderful, you know, here, here's uh, somebody who thinks he's an important businessman whose life has crashed. Fantastic. Let's see if we can. Um, uh, bring them in and and um, see if we can mould something out of them. During that year, I um, I I again the, the the family we have a I, I bought a not a Ferrari I bought a little camper van, uh, which we put all our worldly goods in. We sold our, 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 our house in Dublin. Uh, we've cut that uh, um, a lifeline as it were that bridge. And we end up in a place called Saint Jean Pied de Port uh, with the family, and these people are wandering off with their backpacks and scallop shells. So that was the first time I came across the Camino. Wow! Um, and it was to be a few years later before I actually walked it myself, um, uh, and it was an, an enormously transformational experience for me. It really helped me understand where my life wasn't going and helped turn it around. Um, and uh, put me in a new direction, uh, which was which has been, you know, uh, wonderful. Okay, at the start of every chapter in your book, and, and when I say chapter, it's, I guess, you know, you've broken down the trail into uh, segments that are very yeah. walkable and doable, and, and it's a suggestion. Um, people don't need to walk the Camino according to your guide, but your guide certainly gives them a great guideline as to how maybe to walk the Camino. But in each segment or each section, there's the mystical path, a uh, little paragraph entitled The Mystical Path. And there you write some you write some fascinating stuff. You really do. Do you think people are were surprised or are still surprised that when they get this Camino guide book, that there's spiritual stuff in there, or should they be surprised because the Camino is a spiritual pilgrimage? It, it, it is utterly incredible to me that um, out of all the many guidebooks written, um, nobody seems to be actually trying to address a spiritual theme. Yeah. Um, uh, now, essentially, uh, the Camino... A pilgrimage, a pilgrimage by definition, is a spiritual journey. Uh, and I've tried to construct a guidebook that, that pays equal attention to both the outer path and the preparation for the outer path, and also the inner path, the inner path of spirit, the inner path of soul, and also preparation uh, for that also. Because these two paths are walked simultaneously, um, and they're, they're, they intertwine, uh, uh, you know. So... I think that people, they write to me and they say that they very much appreciate um, that aspect because it helps remind them of why they're journeying, uh, not a, not a, alone on the Camino de Santiago, but why they're journeying through life. Uh, I have so many directions to go in this conversation, and, and I'm, uh, you know, here's the frustrating thing, John. I'd rather have a pint and and, uh, and talk for a few hours than do a 20-minute radio interview with you because, you know, you were such an integral and intimate part of my journey. And I've run into so many people who know you, who have met you, who, who care about you deeply. Uh, Lydia, of course, uh, my good friend who was the director of uh, Six Ways to Santiago, the documentary. She is a huge fan of yours. Uh, yes, Lydia. Wonderful. 
and she'll be on the show next week. Actually, do you have anything? You, do you have any dirt on Lydia, by the way, that I can bring up in the interview? Any dirt? <laughs> oh, she's a one. I, 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 she's just wonderful, Lydia. Do, do please pass on my my love to her. All right. Yes. Well, if you think of any dirt, please you know give me a call. I want to you know, embarrass her. But I'm trying to think about if you were in my shoes. Other than having the John Brierley guide to the Camino in my back pocket, if you were me, what else would you take on the Camino? Well, I really, I, I really mean this when I say it. I, I think that the um, the Camino, uh, the Caminos plural, um, yes. are incredibly um, uh, powerful in their transformational um, aspects, and I think one of the key aspects of the Camino is that, in fact, it's about not taking things. It's really about letting go. I mean, um, you know, the first discipline in taking any long-distance walk is to absolutely minimize, um, uh, to really look what we need and how little we need when we go off uh, with a backpack. Um, you know, we, we don't need a, a second Swiss Army penknife. You know, one will do just fine. Um, and so it's actually very much about letting go, not only minimizing the uh, the physical uh, stuff that we put in our backpack, but also emptying out to, from our, our mind, letting all that psychic rubbish that we've collected over generations uh, and, you know, inherited in generations and collected over decades. Um, the Camino, its efficacy is around emptying out because until we have emptied out, we're not really open or cannot open to anything new. How can we get a new insight when our mind is so jam-packed full of, um, you know, full of stuff? So yeah. I really I really mean it when I say that the, the most powerful uh, way we can go is I, I, I list post officers um, uh, in the early stages uh, on the Camino so that when people arrive after a week of carrying a whole lot of things they realize they don't need, it gives them an opportunity to either post it home or to give it to somebody else or leave it in an albergue. But most people will will write to me and say that they, they started out with too much um, and one of the big lessons they learned was how little they needed um, in order to have a good experience. On the phone with uh, with John Briarly. By the way, am I pronouncing your last name Briarly? Uh, absolutely. Correctly? Most most people don't, but that's perfect. Beautiful. A practical and mystical manual for the modern day pilgrim I have in my hand. It's a pilgrim's guide to the Camino de Santiago. John, you've said a couple of times that there are many Caminos. Uh, will there continue? Will, will there be more Caminos in the future, or are they done? Camino the, routes. Well, the Caminos um, historically, uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a fascinating story. But when um, in the in the tenth and eleventh centuries, when um, the Holy Land was lost to Christianity, was lost to Islam, um, nobody could travel there anymore. So uh, at that stage, the, when the Crusades were lost, uh, Santiago became an enormously uh, powerful place of pilgrimage in the medieval period. I mean, they reckon quarter of a million people walked in every year in the medieval period. Now, they came from all over Europe. 
I mean, I'm working at the moment. In fact, I fly out next month to Budapest, the wonderful association in Budapest. There's now a waymarked pilgrimage uh, from Budapest all the way through Hungary uh, um, into Austria, all the way through Austria, into Switzerland, all the way through Switzerland, to France, all the way through France, into Spain. That is one Camino route, historic route, that is now refinding its feet after you know, having been dormant by 600 years. These roots are, are coming back. Um, so no, they're not finished at all. And okay. people are finding the old historic roots. They're very easy to find. You've got churches of Santiago along the way and the historical records are there. So um, no, they, 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 are, they are very much alive and, and growing. Each year, more roots open, more of the old historic roots open um, all the time. Man, this is just not going to end for you. I mean, it just... Do, no, do you no, ever, I, this is what I really want to know, John. This is my biggest question. Do you ever wake up one morning? Has it ever happened where you've woken up and you've gone, I am so sick of Camino stuff? Do you know, it never has. It ne- it ne- at the moment, I'm working on a, um, a, a, a new route, two new routes in Portugal. And um, I'm so inspired by them, I... I suddenly find it's, I, I, my, I, I'm awake and I wake up. I don't even look at my clock anymore. And I come in and I start, you know, getting my notes out to make new maps for the routes. And I suddenly find it's four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Um, and then I, I, my wife is away at the moment. Um, otherwise, she drags me back to bed and says, this is ridiculous. Um, and here I am with you. At, at, uh, I've been on, I've been over 16 hours. Um, on you know, look, doing my notes, making up new maps, and I'm not remotely tired. I wow. think, I think that's one of the things which I really realised that I'm, I, I had a calling to write these, uh, because I think when we're truly inspired, we just, I just never get tired. Yeah, tiredness isn't, and I, I, and I, if the time comes when I've got a new direction and I'm supposed to be doing something else, well, then I, I will. Have, presumably happily let it go but at the moment no i'm utterly inspired by the, the, the literally hundreds of thousands of people every year who get this incredibly powerful experience walking these rooms and, um, and yet it's incredibly hard to explain we had six pilgrims on the show last week and i asked them all the question you know how do you what happened in the Camino for you? And, uh, you know, are you different? And, and how do you explain the Camino? And we all stumbled through. We can't answer the simplest questions. Well, I guess they're not simple questions. That's the first thing. But, but the other thing is, it is just unexplainable. And that drives me nuts that I can't put words on my experience. Well, you see, I mean, I think that's the key, isn't it? I, because, you know, it's like, you know, that, that wonderful saying, you know, that. The, the Tao that could be spoken isn't the Tao. Yeah. I mean, in in a way, um, people struggle uh, when they come home to try and explain, um, you know, what's what, what's been going on for them. And unless they're actually with somebody or, or communicating with somebody who is on themselves on, on a, an overtly spiritual journey through life, mm. then it really can't be explained. And actually in trying to explain it, it loses some of its it to- magic. Totally, it totally does. Incredibly so, well explained. So I think that what what I do is um, I encourage people who are feeling a little bit lost. I mean, a lot of people 
write to me and met every day. I'm, you know, responding to people who've had a fantastic experience, have gone back home, want to keep that whatever that magic alive, and and they're 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 they're, they're struggling to do that. But around the world are these wonderful pilgrim organizations um, uh, and connections, and so I really encourage people to like the six people you had on the radio. You know, it, we don't need to be in the same in the same room, nor do we need to be in the same country. We can keep in touch and and um, you know remind each other of what uh, of the of, of the journey that we're on. You know, we're all on a journey of self-discovery and um so the 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 networks are very powerful i mean i've had dozens of people writing to me saying that they um you know could i come and help officiate at their at their at their wedding because they you know they met en route and that they've got married now interestingly enough i've had probably an equal number amount of people well not quite the same amount, but certainly quite you know a, a good number who've written saying that they walked the Camino and realized that they were with somebody who they no, no longer served them, hmm. or, you know, and, and, and that they needed to part. So the, the, the Camino, the experience along the route does bring up, it does transform us, it makes it demands change. And uh, we need to stay in touch with people who can help us on this journey. Um, of, of self-discovery, and there, there, there are, I encourage people. There are wonderful associations, and you know, people along the route. They take names and addresses. I've had people. I had one uh, pilgrim I met uh, from Japan. On uh, he was the only pilgrim I met coming up from uh, the, the Via de la Plata in forty days and forty nights. It so happened I was on the route. I met one other pilgrim, this Japanese. And we had such a bond together that he came to visit me in Scotland, uh, um, you know, way from Japan. So these, and I think what I'd like to stress to to your listeners, and um, you probably have found it yourself, is that actually what happens is that we make we make much more than friends. We actually make family. Yeah, I I have an enormous communal family and that family i don't use the word family lightly these are people who are so they are utterly family they are my brothers and sisters and i would do anything for them john uh, the final question for you is this here's this route where apparently they've taken the bones or the remnants or the part i don't know whatever of of saint james uh, from from jerusalem across this path and they've parts of St. James' body are in this silver box underneath the altar in the Santiago de Compostela, the cathedral. Do you believe it, and does it matter? And let me answer it first from my point of view. I couldn't give a holy grunt if that was actually the, the path of the bones, if the, if the, if the body of St. James are there, if it was a bone fragment, if it was... I just don't... To me, it didn't, it didn't matter to me whether that was true or not. And I've got my own baggage and issues with all that because I'm not a big fan of of, um, of religious uh, tribal conditioning and, and, and religious nonsense, etc. Et and that's fairly judgmental of me to say that because I have the spiritual gift of judgmentalism. I don't know if you realize that or not. Um, but but I, I don't care if the bones are there. Should I, John? No, you shouldn't. It is it is absolutely immaterial. It, it, you, we would completely miss the point. 
um, if we were if if we went to um, to, to venerate um, uh, you know uh, one and a half thousand year old uh, 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 two thousand year old bones, it would be completely missed the point. Um, the Caminos, uh, it does appear. Um, uh, there's little evidence, but it does appear that Saint James, that all the early church, it, it, it's well known that it went to um, uh, places of uh, known spiritual, high spiritual uh, worship and purpose. Um, and after the uh, Christ's crucifixion, it does appear that James uh, did take the Iberian Peninsula as his place to graft on the message of Christianity. And it, it does appear that he would, he, he did come actually to Finisterra, which of course Finisterra was the end of the world and therefore the most, one of the most powerful places of worship um, in the known world at that time yeah. to graft on the message. But whether or not his bones were returned that after he returned to Ecclesi, that he would, apparently, by all accounts, his ministry was very unsuccessful. Uh, in in Spain, and he went back to um, to Jerusalem to to the Holy Land, was beheaded. Now, whether or not his body was returned to be buried there, it may, well might have been, but it is utterly immaterial, certainly as far as I'm concerned, as to whether it was or it wasn't. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just we've gone over time for a couple of reasons. Okay. One, one, everything people said about you is true. I, you're such a likable guy. At least over the Skype, you are. You know. And secondly, I'm hoping that we become friends because I want to come visit you and I want you to take me to a pub and we can get some innocent gun. Would that be okay? It sounds fine. You yeah. just let me know when you come. <laughs> okay. And and then finally, again, I, I do just want to tell everyone, you know, I'm not interviewing John because there's some, you know, commercial endeavor here. I thoroughly was impressed by how this book was concisely yet informatively put together. And it was in the size it could fit in my back pocket. It wasn't a big, cumbersome burden. I had other Camino pilgrims say to me, hey, uh, can I see your book? You, I didn't. My book doesn't say that. My book doesn't let me know this. Your book was the one that everybody wanted to have, but I had it. So, John, thank you for what you have done and for the role you played in my Camino. Just like everyone else has thanked you, I want to thank you as well. Wonderful. Well, lovely to talk to you, Drew. Thank you, John. You, you be well, and um, I have a feeling we'll talk again. Yep, lovely. Good. Well, I'll enjoy that. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. All right, a uh, short break on the show. That was John Brierley, the website. For all of his materials, CaminoGuides.com. CaminoGuides.com. We'll be right back. Higher Ground Cafe in beautiful Bell Fountain. Come for the coffee. Stay for the nature. 